It's official. One Shining Podcast is back, and I am your host, Tate Frazier. And as March Madness begins, we're covering everything from Selection Sunday all the way to the championship and beyond. We're going to have great guests that are coming through on the show. And look, if you're a friend of the program and you're already subscribed, you don't have to do anything. OSP is back. It's going to be right back in your feed. And if you're not a friend of the program and this is your first time on the rodeo, then let me tell you this. You need to go to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts and smash subscribe today because the OSP show is back. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help. Dot com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Sunday, in the Monday edition of New York, New York, with yours truly, J.J. Johnson-Stremski. And what a glorious Sunday. This Sunday before the opener for the New York Yankees and the New York Mets, respectively, we get news in Yankee land that should be cause for celebration. The New York Yankees don't get cute. The New York Yankees get it right. The New York Yankees reward someone who busted their butt, kicked ass, did everything in his power to go and work his way onto an opening day roster. And let's commend Anthony Volpe for a hell of a spring training. And listen, we don't want to get nuts with spring training. You never want to fall into that trap. But the Yankees proclaimed in February that the shortstop position was an open competition. That meant Oswald Peraza. That meant Anthony Volpe. That meant, of course, our buddy IKF. Thankfully, he won't be the shortstop. Hopefully, never, ever, 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 ever again. And I believe I proclaimed in late February 
I think it's going to be Peraza. And I'm going to be happy if it's one of the kids. But I have to admit, and I said this on our Thursday show, and this opinion has kind of changed and has evolved over the course of the spring. You're seeing the highlights of these games. You're seeing Volpe steal bases. You're seeing Volpe hit bombs. You're seeing him just spray the ball all over the place, looking like a guy who absolutely positively belongs. It got to the point where I'm like, all right, at the end of May, March, whatever the hell it is, this guy has earned the spot on the opening day Yankee lineup. It's as simple as that. And I think we spend a lot of time trying to figure out, and rightfully so, because look, the New York Yankees have been chasing this quest of trying to hunt down the Houston Astros. And I, I think we've all tried to figure out ways to, well, how do the Yankees close the gap on a team like Houston? Well, having a young, emerging position player come and make an impact? Let's be real about this. That's right out of page of the Houston Astros playbook. Now, wake me up if Anthony Volpe is going to go and win LCS MVP and is going to go win World Series MVP like Jeremy Pena did. I don't want to put that unrealistic expectation on him or some of the just outrageous comparisons that we're getting to Derek Jeter, which are so unfair and just, they're cruel. They're unreasonable. Here's what I want Anthony Volpe to be, a damn good baseball player. If he is the guy that we saw in the month of March playing spring training, the Yankees got themselves a bona fide shortstop where the intangibles are there, where the speed is there. And here's my message to Aaron Boone right out of the gate. Don't fool around. I lead him off. Ain't broke, don't fix it. I don't know if you will go in that direction. There obviously are veterans like DJ LeMayu who could be in that position. But to me, the speed he provides, the energy provides, let's go. I am pumped that Anthony Volpe, a guy we have heard so much about for the last few years, is now getting his opportunity to shine in the big leagues. This is why the Yankees didn't go and sign Corey Seager. This is why the Yankees didn't go and, and sign Carlos Correa or make a move for one of those big shortstops. They need to hit on a prospect. Let's be real about this. The Yankees have not hit on a prospect in a long, long time. Aaron Judge, but the baby bomber core that you thought was going to be a part of the fixture and the landscape here in the Bronx, Sanchez is out of baseball. Quinn Frazier is out of baseball. Greg Bird is out of baseball. Just think about that for a minute. Bird, Frazier, Sanchez, Sayonara, Andahar, Pirates, winnowing away, quad A type of player. The second best baby bomber has been Gleyber Torres. And now with Peraza waiting in the wings and, and Volpe here to stay, you got to wonder if a guy like Gleyber Torres is on borrowed time in a New York Yankee uniform. And the bad news you got from a Yankee perspective over the weekend is Severino's going to miss a considerable amount of time. So much for that best rotation in all of baseball. Two-fifths are out. Rodon, you're not going to see till late April, early May. And who the hell knows with the Latin Severino. I love Sevy. I love his attitude. I love his stuff. I think he's intense. He's likable. You want to see him do well? Since he got that extension from the Yankees, 
He's giving the Yankees very little. Bad luck, too. Injury, sure, but a lot of bad luck. 19, barely pitched. 2020, out. Tommy John surgery. 2021, didn't see him until the month of September. Last year was the most productive year of the four. And what do you go, 110, 120 innings? He's just not a guy you can count on for 180, 190 innings consistently. And that's going to hurt him when he's trying to get himself a contract next year from the Yankees or whoever else. So right out of the game for the Yankees, Clark Schmidt is your game two starter. Just think about that for a minute. Clark Schmidt and Domingo Herman and the kid who was pitching today is all of a sudden your fifth starter. I didn't even know his name 24 to 48 hours ago. So you got the good in Yankee land as far as Volpe fired up. You have the bad, which is Severino. And please, spare me on the idea that Josh Donaldson now, because he's had a good spring training, is going to go and have a monster year for the Yankees. Uh, wake me up. Wake me up when that indeed is a reality. So a lot cooking in Yankee land as they get ready for Thursday in the San Francisco Giants. We'll have the television voice of the New York Yankees, our pal. Haven't chatted with Michael in a while. Michael K is going to come on the pod. We'll uh, dive into this a little bit because... He was all over this about a week, week and a half ago. He was tweeting it out. He mentioned it on his radio show, the idea that he was hearing from Yankee people. Internally, they want Volpe. Well, he heard correctly. From a Mets perspective, no surprise to me that Beatty and Vientos were not brought to the big leagues. Even though I would prefer that to be your DH platoon as opposed to what they will have as their DH platoon, which is Ryan Vogelback, which is uh, Daniel Vogelback, and, of course, Darren Ruff. I wanted to call him Ryan Vogelback. I don't even know why I wanted to make up his name. But the point being is, I don't trust that DH platoon. Buck Showalter is a guy that likes veteran players. We're not going to knock Buck. He had a sensational first year as Met manager. He's been a winning manager throughout his career. He wants to go with veterans right out of the gate. Beatty, they want to work on his defense at third base. It's not good enough. He was never going to be the opening day third baseman because his glove is not there. Vientos, I think they want him to play on an everyday basis. I don't think they want him as a platoon player yet. But know this. The Vogelback, rough DH platoon, and if you want to throw Tommy Pham in there, you could throw him in there as well. That will not last for the Mets. Save that prediction. I gave you two right out of the gate. Donaldson, don't count on 35 home runs. Don't count on the Aaron Boone prediction of a bounce-back season. I'm betting against the Yankee manager. I like my odds. I like my chances. And I'm betting against this Met DH platoon working. Which means there will be opportunity, I believe, for the youngsters or a potential add to a big bat later on in the year. That's kind of the way it shakes out to me. I know fans want to see the youngsters. I fell in love with Beatty. I love Beatty Swing. He's a lefty, smooth, looked good in a small sample size when he was up here last year. They're not going to abandon the idea of him playing third base. Like, am I going to be shocked if you see Brett Beatty on this team by May or June? No, not in the least. There's an injury. They need a bat. He's got DH a lot more. That easily could be in play. But that's going to be a big question for the Mets. Is there enough power in this lineup? We know about the older, elite, first ballot Hall of Famers that are leading your rotation. We know what the bullpen is going to have to look like 
without Edwin Diaz, bigger roles for Robertson, bigger roles for guys like Adovino and Riley, and on and on we go. But that power ingredient, that cost them against the San Diego Padres, that cost them down the stretch against the Atlanta Braves and losing out in the National League East. That's got to be addressed, and that's got to change if we are talking about the Mets at the end of the day here going and winning a World Series. And that's the expectation around here. Listen, we haven't had many years like this. Last year was fun from that standpoint where both fan bases could fantasize. Things go right here. Things go right there. My team could go win a World Series. We have that again this year. Not going to be easy. Extended playoffs. I don't think either team, for what it's worth, is a given to go and win a division. But I got news for you. Is winning a division an absolute must to go and win a World Series? Not as much anymore. Just look at the Philadelphia Phillies from a season ago as a perfect example of that. Get into the dance. Be healthy going into the dance and see where it takes you. So we're stoked for baseball. We got a lot of cool stuff coming up over the next couple of days. And then I'm out in Vegas for opening day. We'll have a Twitter spaces after the Met opener. Remember, Yankees are at one. Mets are at four. Figure that Met game ends around 7, 7, 15. Although with this pitch clock, who the hell knows? Might be over in two and a half hours with Alcantara and Scherzer on the mound. But we'll have to see how that plays out. I am stoked for baseball. Stoked, stoked, stoked for the start of the baseball season. It's here. We also have a Final Four. And I've been a fan of the NCAA tournament for forever. I love college basketball. I love this time of year. I was dialed in every single one of these games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Three to four regional games were really, really good. This is the weirdest Final Four that I can ever remember. Ever. Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, Miami, nine seed, five seed, five seed, and then the one blue blood. And it was pretty cool for me, even as a Syracuse guy. And I can't believe I'm admitting this because I can't stand UConn. Listen, I'm a Syracuse guy. When I went to school, I hated Georgetown. I I hated UConn. Detested both programs. Detested. Was in the building for the six-overtime game. I've told that story 10 zillion times. Get booted out of Madison Square Garden. I'm sick of UConn winning because they go on these runs all the time. It bothers me. It's perplexing. They're obviously the clear-cut team to go and cut down the nets. All of this being said, I've known Dan Hurley a long time. When I was a young broadcaster, just started doing radio at FAN, and I was doing the Wagner games with my pal, Joey Waller. Dan Hurley could not have been nicer. For a young broadcaster, a guy breaking into business, with his name, now he was kind of just breaking into business too, but with his name, you know, he could have been an S. He could have been a total better than, who the hell are you? I'm not wasting any time talking to you, giving you access, and, you know, going back and forth. Dan was never like that. He was always good to me. He always gave us good access. And it's been cool to watch his coaching career from Wagner. Remember when they beat Pittsburgh, beat a ranked team, kind of put themselves on the map. Then he goes to Rhode Island, makes the NCAA tournament a couple of times, wins a tournament game, beats Trey Young. And now he's got UConn back where they expect to be, the Final Four and winning national championships. The odds indicate as such. They are the team to beat without question next weekend in Houston. But they're going to win it all? 
With this tournament, there are no gimmicks. On paper, you would say yes. Throughout this tournament, they have, without a doubt, been the most dominant team. Let's be real. Iona is the only team in the first half that gave a scare. They smoked St. Mary's, they smoked Arkansas, and they smoked Gonzaga. So, based upon that logic, you'd say, wow, you expect UConn to win. Miami has dogs. Speaking of local guys, I love Jim Laranaga. He just seems like a dude. His players love him. He's got the old man dance moves. He goes to the Final Four on the anniversary of him taking George Mason to the Final Four. And how about the symmetry there? UConn going up against Laranaga. Can Laranaga go and slay the UConn Dragon again? That is fascinating. See, a lot of people aren't going to be into this Final Four. I can't get enough of it. I love that Miami-UConn game. And Miami's got guards galore. They were down double digits. They were dead against Texas, second half of this game. But they kept hanging around. They couldn't hit a three, but that's fine. They were going to the basket. They were finishing around the rim. They locked down their defense. They started to make some big plays. Incredible stuff. Incredible stuff out of Laranaga and Miami. The Creighton-San Diego State game, listen, I had Creighton. I had a big ticket on Creighton to win the title. Creighton didn't deserve to win the game. First of all, they couldn't execute offense at all. That's number one. Number two, they get a gift of all gifts with the San Diego State kid throwing the ball in the backcourt, basically overthrowing his guy, and then boom, they throw it right in, Creighton to tie the game. And then at the end of the game, it's a foul. Now, it's like the logic that we had in the Super Bowl. They weren't calling it earlier in the game, but they're calling it at the end of the game. To me, and you know me, I, I like to see the guys play. I like to see the action on the court decide the game. The guy's going up for a shot, and he's being grabbed by Nemo. I mean, he is absolutely being grabbed. You could see it. And, and for me to say this is telling, because I had money on Creighton, and I'm like watching I'm like, yeah, that's foul. That's foul. What, what do you expect the official to do there in that spot? Clearly grabbed him. Clearly influenced the play. So for those of you who were mad at me when I was giving uh, the officials too much of a hard time during the NFL playoffs, listen, I can show I'm fair and balanced. In, in this case, I, I thought they got it right. And I thought the better team found a way to get themselves to Houston and San Diego State. Good for them. I've given the Mountain West a lot of crap. San Diego State is tough. They can't score. And I think ultimately that's going to come back to bite them in the ass. But that was a big win for them. Very, very impressed. And then last but not least, how about the Owls of Florida Atlantic? And I got to give Marquise Noel all the props. He was so much fun to watch. He was infuriating to bet against. FAU, to be real, should have won that game, though, on Saturday by double digits. The only reason Kansas State was in that game is because of the turnovers. Kansas State forced about 20 turnovers. Florida Atlantic takes care of the ball. They win and they win comfortably. That Florida Atlantic team is not going to be intimidated. I think they are absolutely live on Saturday. I absolutely think they can get to Monday night. Beating UConn is a much different animal. Or Miami, for that matter. I think those are the two best teams, for my money, that are left playing. UConn, number one. Miami, number two. But two teams from the state of Florida going to the Final Four. Man, it's like spring break and then UConn crashed the party. Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, Miami, three places, by the way, I'd love to go to school in in another lifetime. Any of those three, Atlantic, San Diego State, or the U, sign me up right now. And then you got good old UConn, 
who goes on yet another one of these runs where they are two wins away from yet another national championship. All right, let's take some calls. We'll take a break. 917-382-1151. By the way, if you ever want to leave a voicemail, that's how you do it. Let's take some calls before we hit Michael K. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, voicemail time. Man, that was a lot to unpack there. All the baseball stuff, all the basketball stuff. Here's a little subplot. Is anybody monitoring what's going on with the Dallas freaking Mavericks? I know I am. Because me, along with many others, told you that Kyrie Irving going there would be an absolute shit show. Win for me. Win for many others. The guy is one of the biggest cancers in all of basketball. Of course, he has ruined that team. That team wasn't any good to begin with. His presence has not helped the situation at all. And now, I'm rooting against the Mavs for two reasons. One, the Knicks have their pick from that Porzingis trade. That's fantastic. Number two, Maybe Luca could be that disgruntled star that wants out and he could reunite with his buddy Jalen Brunson. Think about it. Yeah, I'm starting to think ahead. Just a little bit. Starting to think ahead a little bit. All right. On that note, now that I'm getting a little delusional, at least in one way, let's hear some calls. Steph, let's go. Hey, JJ. It's David Stern from Brooklyn. How you doing? Um, I got a question for you. But first, I got to give props to the Yankees. We kill them a lot on this on this uh, podcast for the dumb moves. And rightfully so. I mean, you look at Frankie Montez, you look now at Severino's contract. Uh, there's a lot to hate Donaldson and RKF, but finally making the decision to put Volpe on this roster, giving him an opening day spot. Good job, Yankees. Good job, Brian Cashman. Good job, Aaron Boone. And I really think that they heard the comments from the fans who were not happy with the offseason moves who didn't feel that they did enough to improve this team to get past the Astros. And I think they were feeling the pressure to do something. And Volpe made, an e made it an easy decision. He outplayed Peraza clearly, certainly IKF, but he, he earned that position. And to send him back to the minors just to delay his, um, his arbitration just would be penny-pinching on top of the terrible offseason that they have. So good job, Yankees. You still didn't improve the bullpen enough, in my opinion. I don't think you have a closer. Your rotation is not deep enough. You still got to figure out what you're going to do with Donaldson and how you're going to make room for LeMayo. But at least for now, the Yankee fans have something to look forward to. We'll have Judge in right field. And, uh, well, maybe uh, he'll move over to another place in the outfield. But at least he'll be an everyday starter. And we'll have Volpe at shortstop, and that'll be nice to see. Uh, I do have a question for you in terms of what they're going to do with Donaldson and IKF. First of all, IKF, do you think they DFA him? you think he's not on the 40-man roster come opening day? And second, what are the Yankees going to do to strengthen this rotation? If Rodon and Frankie Montas can't make their starts, are we looking at Clark Schmidt being in the uh, everyday ro rotation? you think they bring someone up from the minors? I mean, they don't really have people in the minors to supplement the rotation. So what do you think they do? Uh, with those two things. So hang up and listen. Love you, JJ. Been a while. Talk to you. 
Well, David, welcome back. It's good to hear your voice once again. That means baseball season is clearly on the horizon. Okay. Yes, the Yankee fan wanted Volpe. I don't think the brain trust of the Yankees thought about that in any way. I, I don't. Because they have disregarded our opinion on many matters plenty of times. This was a no-brainer for the Yankees. The kid played great. He earned it. It was obvious. Unless you were living under a rock and didn't pay attention in the month of March, Anthony Volpe earned the spot on this team. Now he's the opening day shortstop. I don't think perception from the fans had anything to do with it. He was great. As far as the rotation, it's late March. Who are you getting? You know, somebody mentioned this to me yesterday when I was doing a television segment. It's like, oh, make a trade. For, for who? Who's, who's giving up a pitcher of serious quality at this stage in the regular season? It's not happening. You're going to get Rodon back at the end of April. Severino, who the hell knows? It means guys like Schmidt and Herman and this burrito kid, they got to buck up and pitch. I think reinforcements could be on the way in June or July. Yeah, of course. That's when you go and make a trade without hesitation. Making a trade now? Not easy to do. Even the teams that suck, they're like, all right, it's the first game of the year. We're not, we're not making a trade. That Montage trade really ended up being a kick in the absolute you-know-what for the Yankees. Because not only did they trade for Montez, he stinks, and now it's hurt. Two guys that could have played roles in kind of filling that void, Sears, Waldachuk, they're going to be in Oakland. The Yankees got to stop trading for pitches from Oakland. Oh, my God. Please, stop trading for pitches from Oakland. All right, who's next? Hey, JJ. It's Anthony from Tom's River. I just saw the uh, uh, Volpe call-off and some of the other uh, prospects and players announced for uh, opening day. Just kind of want to get your thoughts on that. Um, obviously, Volpe was the right choice. I was a little nervous that leadership or upper management wouldn't make that choice right away, but they did. Um, and I'm more curious as well to see if he's going to start right away and if like, someone like Cabrera is going to start in left field. Uh, obviously, we know Hicks is not the answer there, and we want to see these young guys play and uh, just kind of want to get your thoughts if, uh, if you have any trust with these guys starting on day one. All right, JJ. Anthony, it's a no-brainer. Of course, he's starting on day one. And I'll take it a step further. He should lead off and start day one. Simple as that. Anthony Volpe has done everything imaginable for the Yankees. Oswald Peraza is down in AAA. And, you know, David asked me a call ago about IKF. I think for the time being, IKF's role on the Yankees is in the outfield. It's not a shortstop. The Yankees did not bring up Anthony Volpe to sit him on the bench. He's playing. He's the shortstop every day. I'm leading him off. Shortstop. Let's see what the kid can do. You got to be fired up about it, though. Jersey kid. Lifelong Yankee fan. I mean, I'm seeing the tweets earlier. They're scrolling through his Twitter. He's like tweeting thumbs down when Didi hits the home run against uh, Cleveland or the Twins in the 2017 postseason. It's like, it's full circle. This is like so easy to root for. A lot of hype, a lot of anticipation, but I think the kid's ready for it. I really do. I think he's going to be A-OK. -okay. I don't want to put like unrealistic expectations on what he will be, but do I think he'll be A-OK -okay to the point where you feel comfortable about him at shortstop and he hits enough to be 
a guy who looks like and acts like he belongs as a big leaguer? No doubt in my mind. No doubt. Last but not least, let's hear it, Steph. Disco J, it's Cy Austin. Um, you know, I just saw the, the video that the Yankees tweeted of uh, Boone, obviously with Cashman in the room. Cashman, you know, made sure he was in that shot. You know that. That, that wasn't by accident. Uh, telling Volpe that uh, he made the opening day roster. And it, it was nice to see some emotion um, from those two, you know, from the, well, whatever. I don't want to say, it. I don't want Stefan to peep it out, but you know how I feel at this point about Boone. And something with Cashman, but most of all with this kid. Um, but I think Boone summed it up well. And I think, you know, the Astro shows you this last year with Pena. If the kid's going to learn, if the kid's going to fail, let it happen at the major league level. And also at the same time, Give the fans something to be excited about, you know, in a season that's about to start with three-fifths of your roster on the injured list. Now, we know the way baseball is made up now. Most of these teams are going to, you know, as long as they're competitive, are making the playoffs anyway. We know this team is built for October. We know that at this point you just have to get in, whether it's division winner or wild card. Um, but it's exciting, dude. It's exciting. And I'm excited to see this kid. And I'll be seeing him on Thursday, but obviously I won't be seeing him in the stadium. I'll probably be seeing him from a sports book in Las Vegas, Nevada, and we can touch upon that at a later time. So again, giddy, hopefully the beginning of some good things for the Yankees. Dominguez on the horizon probably in September, uh, well, not September, but next year as well. Let's see what happens, Jay. And it sucks about Severino, too, because it's a contract year. Sucks for him. Let's see what this idiot Cashman does at the deadline. God bless and I will see you soon, my friend. Say, I'll sit fired up about one Anthony Volpe and been waiting a long time for a Yankee youngster to have an impact. It sounds crazy because Aaron Judge has clearly been that guy, right? He's the face of the franchise. He's the new captain of the Yankees. He broke Roger Maris's record. So, like, Judge, is, he's larger than life. He's one of the biggest, if not the biggest, star in all of baseball. This is going to bother a national baseball fan, but you tell me who is going to get more attention walking around. Shohei Otani and Judge and Judges. And that's why Otani is dying to get out of Anaheim, go to the Dodgers, go to the Yankees, go to the Mets, and Otani will be singing a different tune. But be that as it may, the Yankees didn't think it was just going to be Aaron Judge as a part of that baby bomber core. That core wrote it. It's Aaron Judge and a, a, a bunch of different dudes. Stanton via trade. Rizzo via trade. Glaber still hanging around for now. LeMayu was signing. Trevino a trade. Bader, a trade. There's always something special about the homegrown guy getting a chance and making the most of his opportunity. You throw in the fact that Anthony Volpe is from the state of New Jersey and he grew up a Yankee fan, takes it to another level. I'm amped. I was amped for Thursday anyway. This takes it to a different plateau. Can't wait to see the kid play. I mean, I'm watching spring training Saturday, bored out of my mind, dog sitting the great hang. This rover app, by the way, is amazing. It, it is fantastic. It's another side hustle for me. We met this great dog. It's little dachshund, Hank. I love the guy. Wish I could keep him, to be honest with you. I really do. He's like like-minded with me. He gets me. Anyway, I'm dog sitting yesterday watching the game. I'm like, Volpe is against Aaron Noah is just hitting the crap out of the ball over the place. I'm like, if he's not on the team, I'm going to lose my mind. Because then there was no competition. Then there was nothing humanly possible that Anthony Volpe could have done in order to make the Yankees. Hey, 
The Yankees, we give them a lot of crap when they drop the ball and they get it wrong. Let's give the Yankees. I'm golf clapping, so I don't blow out years. If you've sat with me at Yankee Stadium or at a sporting event, my clap is loud. Stefan can attest to that. I have a loud clap. I have a booming clap, just like I have a booming voice. I applaud the Yankees. They did the right thing here, and they should be commended. We'll preview the 2023 season, the television voice, longtime voice of the New York Yankees, the great Michael Kay, up next. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Big day in Yankee land. The Jersey boy is going to be the shortstop on opening day. It's going to be yet another opening day for this guy, the television voice of the New York Yankees. We welcome back Michael K to New York, New York. Michael, it's good seeing you. How are you, my friend? I'm great, JJ. How you doing? So you've been doing this a long time. You've been doing a lot of opening days. I, I, I'm curious, is this one on the hype scale, on the anticipation scale, higher on the list than your average opening day or not necessarily? I don't know if it's higher on the list, but obviously um, there, there, there's some things that re- really intrigue me. You know, can Judge do it again? Can he come close to doing it again? And now uh, with Volpe being named the starting shortstop, I mean, that's just a story that writes itself. And I'm sure the stadium's going to go nuts for a local kid that, you know, idolized Derek Jeter. Uh, the team, I think, is is good, uh, but the injuries are concerning, especially to the pitching staff. I mean, they've lost a lot of their starting pitching, so they're going to have to use their depth. But uh, every time I step into that booth, I don't want to sound corny. I really get, I get juiced up. I love hearing that. Well, I'm fired up about Volpe. I might have gave a little fist pump when I saw it earlier today on social media. And I got to give you credit because you mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, the idea that you were hearing from Yankee brass that they want this guy to be on the team. And Michael, to be transparent, I would have been cool with either kid. I said that in February. I said that in early March. I'm not totally dialed in these spring training games. You don't want to get nuts. But every time I put on a spring training game, this kid's going first to third. He's hitting a double. He's hitting a homer. He's stealing bases. I'm watching the game on Saturday, and I'm like, well, if he's not the opening day shortstop, then they need to do an investigation because there clearly was no competition. When did that momentum from what you heard inside the Yankees, when did that really start to generate steam about, okay, let's get this kid on the roster right out of the gate? All right, so once spring training started, you know, and we did the first couple of games from up in our, the Yes Studios, uh, and then David and I did two games. I think the first one was March 8th and then March 10th. So we were down there for five days. And that really got me a chance to get into the clubhouse, talk to people, go behind the scenes. So at the beginning of spring training, I did not think that he was going to have a real chance to make it because he wasn't on the 40. You would have to start his clock. But I don't think that's a big deal to the Yankees anyway. If he becomes the star that everybody wants him to be, they'll gladly pay for him the way they did, you know, Aaron Judge. But then when I got there on the 8th and I just started to talk to people and they knew they weren't being quoted, uh, I said, you know, I know Volpe's having a great spring, but does he have a chance? Yeah, he's got a chance. And and I, and I had also heard that Boone was really in the Volpe camp, you know, that he was going to he was going to advocate for him. And, it, and that's not just a, a Boone decision. It's not just a coaching decision. 
That's an organizational decision. All the scouts, Cashman, all the analytics guy, even Hal Steinbrenner. But it wasn't any hocus pocus, John. It was like he had a great spring. He did everything he was supposed to do. He played the game with integrity and with respect to all the veterans. And he legitimately made the team. And I was a little worried because I did hear that he had a real chance that if he had the spring that he had and he didn't make it, it would have sent a bad message because if you say it's a competition and then you kick everybody's butt in the competition and you don't make it, that's a bad look. And I was really happy to hear today that, that they actually, they let him win the competition and he did doesn't matter the age. And I think that judge might've helped things out too, like three weeks back. And he said, I don't care what your age is. If you're the best guy, you should be playing for the Yankees. So uh, it's 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 a great story. It's a really great story. And I know a lot of people that listen to your podcast, not Brian Cashman fans, if this guy pans out to be what everybody expects him to be, the star shortstop for the next 15 years, then Brian not signing all those free agent shortstops. They got to apologize for it. I totally agree with that, Michael. That's what he banked on here with this. That's 100% right. Castillo, you know, you'd have to give up Volpe if you, if you had a chance to get Castillo. And the Yankees did not want to give up Volpe because they thought, that this was possible. So if he turns out to be as good as everybody's hoping to be, then you understand why they went with the bridge shortstop of IKF last year. You hit on this. They're a really good team. They're probably one of seven, eight, nine teams that could win a World Series this year. And we spend all this time, Michael, talking about, all right, how did it close the gap with the Astros? They played the Astros last year in the postseason. The Astros wiped the floor with them. It wasn't close. It was a four-game non-competitive series where it was eye-opening how much better the Astros were. And you see their young shortstop. And look, the idea that Anthony Volpe is going to win LCS MVP and World Series MVP is absurd. The odds of that are probably a million to one. You know it and I know it. But the idea of closing the gap, to me, it means having someone within your minor leagues go and make an immediate impact. That's got to be something the Yankees are thinking about, right? I would think so. Uh, You know, they're going to add speed to the equation now with the bigger bases and the fact that this kid stole 50 bases in the minors last year that could translate if he gets on base enough to maybe 40 bases in the big leagues and that puts more people on base and scoring position for you know for Aaron Judge and the other guys as well if Harrison Bader gets healthy in the third week of April that's a different look for the Yankees you know more speed more defense so I I just think they had to get younger they had to get quicker and they had to certainly uh, play the game in a different way than, than they have been. It can't just be home run or bust because that has really bitten them in the playoffs the last couple of years. You know, it's everybody worries about the pitching, JJ, right? It wasn't the pitching that lost to the Astros last year. They didn't hit. And whenever they lose to the Astros, they don't score. Even when, you know, the Astros had signs or, you know, they were banging trash cans, the Yankees scored one or two runs in the game six and seven in 2017 total. So they've got it. They've just got to make more contact in the postseason. And, you know, Volpe and Bader and guys like that. And one other thing, Yankees would have lost to the Astros if everybody was healthy. But if they had Ben and Tendi healthy and they had DJ LeMayu healthy and they had Matt Carpenter healthy, they might have been out in six games. Those three losses, those are the guys that could put the bat on the ball. It just neutered the whole team. I'm glad you mentioned LeMayu. To me, he's the biggest X factor for the lineup for the season because when he plays, Michael, you know this, they win. When he yep. played last year, they won. 2019-2020, he was the best player on the team. He was the most valuable player on the team. And, and I know he's getting up there in age. 
You're probably not going to have him for 140 games. That's fine. But the last two years, Boston in the wildcard game didn't play. Last year against the Astros didn't play. I think one of the biggest keys to their year is having this guy healthy for the playoffs because he doesn't strike out. He does put the ball in play. He does grind out at bats. Like, they need guys like that, Michael. There's no doubt. That's a, that was a big missing piece against the Astros. You know, they have these guys that throw so hard, and the Yankees have power hitters. And sometimes guys that throw hard are going to strike out power hitters. And, you know, as you said, LeMayu, that's, that's what he does. I mean, he wins batting titles. He has great bat-to-ball skills. And you take him out of the line. You know, when he's in the first half of the season last year, J.J., we were looking, the Yankees might win 120 games. And then when everybody started to get hurt, his toes started to act up. They were a completely different team. So he's, I look at him as a regular without a position, but Boone will find a way, if he's healthy, to give him 135 games. Are you a believer, like the manager, when it comes to the Josh Donaldson renaissance, or you got to see it to believe it? Well, I, I've, been, I've been a believer in his defense. You know, I, I think he's a real, real fine defensive player, so they don't lose anything there. And, you know, the one thing I always tell people throughout the winter, I've said it on my radio show, nobody wants to believe it. Oh, the Yankees can't train Donaldson because he makes $27 million. They haven't tried. They don't want to. They love the guy. And they think that there's something in there. Now, he made a little adjustment toward the end of spring training. He's had a couple of home runs, like th- three or four home runs. So that's, that's a good thing. They think there's more in there than he showed last year. You know, with the, with the lockout, the short spring training, new team, put pressure on himself. He just wasn't right. I don't know. He struck out an awful lot last year. He he was helpless in the playoffs. But they think, not what I think, they think there's something more in there. And, you know, I, I'm willing to be convinced. I know there's defense there, and they've got enough offense that, you know, if, if they want to carry a guy who's a gold glove level third baseman, I see it. But they're not looking to get rid of him, John. They're just not. They love him. You'll appreciate this. So yesterday I'm doing TV. I'm asked about the Yankees banking a trade. I'm like... It's late March because there's Severino going down. I'm like, it's late March. Guys aren't growing on trees. I'm on a golf course this morning, Michael. Same conversation. Yankees going to go get a pitcher. JJ, they need a pitcher. They're not making a trade right now. Like, can you help the Yankee fan out here, Michael? Like, there are Yankee fans who they panic because, all right, Carlos Rodon is not there. Luis Severino's not there. It's not the middle of July. Like, even these teams that are going to stink, they're not, they're not dumping off starting pitchers beginning of April. That's not happening. And imagine if you trade a starting pitcher now, the, the message that you're sending to your fan base that, you know, we're out of it already. So with the, you know, the added wild card, every team has a chance they can dream until they drop out of it. So, yeah, I mean, the, I'm sure the Mets would like to get a, a closure, but they're not available right now. You have to wait. So, uh, you know, have there been deals made at the, you know, toward the end of spring training? Of course, but they are rare, especially for starting pitchers. And I guess the guy that the Yankees could dangle would be a Glaber Torres. And now that Peraza didn't make the team, that's a guy that a lot of teams wanted, although they might envision Volpe eventually moving to second, starting Peraza at short. But they've got a glut of middle infielders that they could deal if they want to. I just don't think they're desperate right now. They like Schmidt. They like Herman. And Johnny Brito pitched very well today. I think he didn't give up a hit in five-plus innings. I don't know if he's a long-term answer, but they're hoping that they get... um, Rodon back by the end of April. If they do, then that's not a problem and take wear and tear off his arm. But with Severino, I don't know, JJ. I mean, he's hurt all the time. I think this is the third time his lat got injured. So we'll see how long he's out. It's probably a complicated question. But you know what? That's what I like doing these days, Michael. Give me the blueprint 
for the 2023 Yankees, in your opinion, you're on the team every day. How did they win a World Series this year? I think they have to do a lot of what they did last year. Uh, I think they have to they have to really put pressure on the other team by by stealing bases, and they've got the speed to do it. Judge has to have. I mean, it's unfair to think he's going to hit 63 home runs, but if he hits 45 home runs, you sign up for that. And you know, you mentioned Lemayu. That's key. Another guy that's key can't be that streaky, and he can't keep getting hurt. Is Stanton? The whole thing kind of revolves around Stanton because if Stanton's healthy, then you don't have to mess with Hicks in left field or whomever else you would put out there. Judge will be in left. Stanton could be in right. LeMayu could DH a lot. Uh, I just think they have to stay healthy. I know that sounds so cliche. If the if the roster that they've put together stays healthy, they have a chance to beat the Astros and they have a chance to win the World Series. They're that good. And I think the thing that undermined them last year, and it's not an accident, though, so I'm not going to say just an act of God. They have an older team. They do have an older team. Older players get hurt. And uh, if they could stay healthy for 162 games and go into the postseason, with the roster that they envision, they have a chance to beat anybody. I got a couple of quickies for you. How much are you bringing Ruko, the Fordham powers that be, ponying up? You got a basketball coach, Michael. You got a program. What, they were unbelievable this year. They were unbelievable. I couldn't believe they didn't make the NIT. That would have been sweet if they just got some postseason experience. And I'm glad that it wasn't a one and done like it was with Neptune. And they, they ponied up. And, uh, you know, one of the keys, they have a president now, Tanya Tetlow. She realizes what sports could do. I mean, what's the reason, John, that Fordham can't be Villanova? What, what's the reason that Fordham can't be Gonzaga? They're in New York City. They've got wealthy alum. They've got alum in media. I mean, they've got a lot of things that they could highlight. Yeah, they have a, a really small on-campus gym, but I'm sure if they start playing great, they can get games at the Garden and the Barclays Center. It's, it's an untapped resource, and they have a good young coach with a lot of energy, so I think Ergo can continue this. You're moving in the right direction. Uh, hopefully my university gets back on track after a couple of down years. But again, story for a different day. You're spot on with Randall. I've seen you tweeting about this a lot. I went nuts about it the other day. He's got He's got to calm down. Next time you talk to Thibodeau, next time you get a, your buddy Breen and he's in Thibodeau's ear, they got to calm Randall down. It's going to kill him in one of these playoff games, Michael. Yeah, it will. It seems, and, you know, we had on Van Gundy on Friday. And, you know, you can just tell he does not seem as high on the Knicks as the fan base is. He said, I think that if they play the Cavaliers in the first round, which is probably what will happen, they'll be prohibitive underdogs. And he said the thing that scares him about Randall, he doesn't play well at the end of games. And then he acts out like he does in pressure situations. And if you can't handle pressure, it's only going to be intensified and amplified in postseason. You know, I've always said, and Nick fans get angry. Nick fans are really loyal. I mean, you know that. Very loyal. Loyal They're to really loyal. And they're almost like blind to some of the things that they should be seeing. And I just said, he can't be the number one guy on a, on a championship contender. Oh, no team. shot, Michael. No I shot. And you know this. Three. Brunson's the best player on the team. Right. Hands down. Brunson should be the two. Randall should be the three. And they don't have the one. And that's problematic if you're trying to win a championship. Right. Ceiling for the team. They win a playoff series. They had a remarkable season as far as I'm right. concerned. Right. Remarkable. But if they drop to the sixth spot, that would put a real damper on the whole season. Well, because they only have a chance of beating Cleveland. If they right. play Boston, Milwaukee, or Philly, they're not going to beat those teams. Right. Final one. Uh, radio here to stay, man. Congratulations. My mom wanted to make sure I passed the message along, so I did. <laughs> I texted you a few days ago. Uh, you fired up, put the pen to, pen to paper, I guess the ink dry. So a couple more years of the Michael K show. Yeah. Uh, you know what, John? Uh, you know, the reason we're doing this so late, we're actually taping this at night. I, you know, I had to put the kids to sleep. 
you know, I put them to bed. And that was the thing that was driving me. I have a family, you know, my, my son's eight, my daughter's 10. You know, you want to be around them more. But, you know, I, I talked it over with them a lot. And they said, Dad, we like that you do this. It's great. You know, they get go go to Nick games, Yankee games, Jet games, whatever. And I said, okay. Uh, you know, I just felt tired at the end of last year because I'm 62 now. And I'll tell you what, when I do the radio and then to a Yankee game the same day, and I come into the house at 11 o'clock at night, I'm really tired, more so than I was when I was 40. But I, you know, try to keep myself in shape, and I still like doing it. And I love Don and Peter. And really, ESPN has been unbelievable. You know, they really stepped up and they wanted me to stay. So why not give it a go? You know, these jobs don't come around all the time. Michael, keep it going, baby. That's the idea. Have a great season. I will see you at Yankee Stadium. I will not be there on Thursday. Las Vegas. Uh, I'm going to tell you why. We have the way too early bachelor party. I'm getting married, as you know, in August. Uh We wanted to do the bachelor party for the final four weekend and for opening day. So first Friday night game, I'll be out there. Not too bad, man. Vegas is a nice consolation for missing opening day. Now, will you be betting the Yankees on Thursday? So it's funny you say that. I will need to have somebody for me. I can bet them, obviously, on FanDuel here in New York. But I will have somebody so I have the official opening day Vegas ticket. If you guys will be out there on Wednesday, they will place the wager. We send money via the Venmo. And we'll we'll need the Yankees and somebody else, Michael, because you're going to be laying serious juice with, I think, future AL Cy Young winner, might I add, Garrett Cole. I was just going to say, I, I said, if you want to make some money, I think Garrett Cole's going to win the Cy Young. I think he looked great and he's got a determination. And last year he wiped away that nonsense that fans are trying to preach that he couldn't win big games. I mean, he won them the Cleveland series and he pitched well against the Astros as well. So. Should have stayed in that Astro game and you were all over that with Curry and Flash. I was yeah. as angry as you were. I don't know why oh. he came out, but again, I, I digress. Wasn't like he wanted to come out, but, <laughs> no. uh, but uh, yeah, I think he's going to have a big year. I really do. I think he, you know, Yankee fans don't appreciate what a stud he is. I mean, the guy just takes the ball 32 times a year. He's He, he remains healthy, knock on wood, and he's got unbelievable stuff. So I think he's going to have a great year. Michael K., my man, thanks for a few minutes. Have a great season. I'll see you at the stadium, all right? Enjoy the bachelor party. Stay out of trouble. We'll do our best. That's the great all Michael right. K. All right, we'll wrap it up right after this. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations at Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Ton of fun. Anytime you can get the voice of the Yankees to join us, he's great. He comes on a couple of times a year. We're big fans of Michael. Michael's been very, very good to this show and to me especially, so we appreciate that. Uh, We'll have an SGP for a little Knickerbocker basketball. I'll be in the lab on Monday. We'll have something lined up. Knicks have a monstrous game Wednesday, might I add, with Miami. That is a game they need to win. They got a little cooperation, believe it or not, with Brooklyn. That was actually a big result for them with Brooklyn taking care of business because you want to make sure you're in the top six. But as Michael just said a few minutes ago, you really need to be in the top five. The Knicks fall to six. I do not think they have a chance to win a first-round series. Four-five, Cleveland, far more realistic. Far more realistic. All right, Jeff Money, hope the basketball treated you well. Uh, I don't know what's on deck. 
for a Monday card. But the floor is yours, Money. Take it away. What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicap for picks. It'll be for Monday the 27th. we got an NBA play for you. I'm going to go with the Denver Nuggets, minus the five and a half over the Philadelphia 76ers. Again, one play, we're going to go with the Nuggets, minus the five and a half. And everyone can follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. Now, the Denver Nuggets been struggling a little bit. They have been struggling a little bit. Uh, if I'm going to take a quick peek at the NBA lines for tomorrow, and I have not. I've been in college basketball mode. Uh, I got a fantasy draft tomorrow. Knicks are laying a monstrous number, so we're going to have to get creative with that SGP. You're going Denver at home against Philly. You know who I like? The Clippers laying five and a half against the Bulls. To me, the Bulls are getting a little overvalued because they've been hot over the last few weeks. Uh, I sense a little regression to the mean. So I would take the Clippers laying five and a half. That'll be my NBA play. And if you're wondering uh, about the college basketball lines, they're up for Saturday. And I will be invested. The big swinging JJ bachelor party, way too early bachelor party, will be taking its talents to Las Vegas starting on Thursday. Uh, UConn installed this five and a half point favorites against Miami. I think that's a fair line. The Aztecs of San Diego State, two-point favorites against FAU. My gut, the book is going to need the Aztecs and the book is going to need Miami. That's my gut. I have two futures. One we added on Thursday with the Owls of Florida Atlantic. The other one is our ridiculous Miami 65-1 to ticket. Just give me one going into Monday night. I'm not even greedy. I'm really not. Give me one of those damn tickets going into Monday night. So that way, before I come back, miserable on the red eye, sleep deprived, looking like absolute crap. So if you see me on the flight coming back Sunday into Monday, just expect me to look terrible, full disclosure. I always look good, but I'm going to look terrible in this case. Get me one of those damn tickets going into Monday. Just one. Good job by Stefan. Tuesday, loaded show. Here's what we got cooking on Tuesday. Our top New York baseball player list, Salicata, my pal from SOY is going to stop by. Jack Curry, he's got a new book. I'm reading it right now. It is fantastic on the 98 Yankees. We'll have some fun, of course, with the current state of New York Yankees. He's going to join us Thursday, opening day, Twitter spaces, right after the Met game. We'll post it as a podcast. A lot homing, a lot cooking. We have made it to baseball season, which is hard to believe. It's also hard to believe the Yankees did the right thing. On that note, JJ is out. Good job, Stefan. Be good, everybody. <laughs> 